Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello, this is Football Social Daily, another day in the Premier League, another episode of the podcast. If you don't want to miss one and keep bang up to date with all the latest English top flight gossip, then hit that subscribe button and that way every time a new episode is released, you'll be notified straight away. On today's show, Spurs lose to Antwerp in the Europa League and Jose Mourinho is not happy. Nine changes and he said of those fringe players, that's why I don't play them. Deli Ali hooked off at half-time. Is he finished at the club? Gareth Bale underperforming. Why isn't he making an impact? Is it trouble for Tottenham or just an overreaction to defeat? Also, Premier League action kicks off for the weekend tonight as Wolves play Crystal Palace, which means you need to get your fantasy team sorted and sorted quick. Thankfully, Matt Dyson from the Game Week podcast will be here to help. Also, Sheffield United are the subject of floodlight focus. Can the Blades get out of the mess they're currently in? Ian from the Four Blades in the Pub podcast will be letting us know his thoughts a little bit later on. I'm Niall. Alongside me on the podcast today, we've got Marley Anderson. How you doing, Marley? Hello, guys. How are we doing? Yeah, very well. Thanks, mate. And Ant McGinley's also here. Hi, Ant. I'm very excited, you know, because this is the first time I've been on where there's a team that I've been playing on the telly the night before with my name in the score bit because it just Ant's work was short and Ant's. That's <laughs> just simple things. I would never have thought of that ever in my life. Even if I was called Ant, I don't think I would have ever noticed that. Yeah, it's a thrill. You should try it. <laughs> there are many teams with Nile in the name or Marley for that matter. Are there any Marley teams? One day, one day. The country Marley, I guess you could get away with. Oh yeah, I've been looking for a, um, a national kit of Marley for, for some years now and I can't, they don't sell it at Sports Direct. So <laughs> <laughs> it's true. They're like bloody um, rocking horse crap. <laughs> That's hard to find. That's who you support in the Africa Cup of Nations, no doubt. If there are any Malians listening um, all the way from Africa or even around the world, if you are from the country of Mali, get in touch with us on social media at the Sports Social, uh, at Sports Social Official on Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook. Send us a message on socials and let us know where Mali can get a Mali national team football shirt from. Get in touch with us because uh, I know you have been looking for a while. <laughs> anyway, 
enough of talking about the Mali national football team. What about Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> Football Club? Because they were in action last night in the Europa League against Antwerp. They were away in Belgium. Jose Mourinho has only played two Europa League campaigns in his career and he's won both of them. Once with Porto in his early managerial days and then a few seasons ago with Manchester United. But he didn't get off to the greatest of starts against Antwerp with them losing 1-0 in the group stages last night. He made nine changes to the side, Marley. Um, and a chance for some of the new boys to show what they can do. Gareth Bale was given a start. Vinicius was given a start up top. It didn't really work out for Tottenham. They ended up losing the game. Yeah, I mean, I watched I watched the highlights um, after the game, and they were they were a joke. Like the the level of performance was was shocking. I think they they almost treated it like a like a friendly. There was no there was no um, tempo to the game. There was no sort of feeling in, in what they were doing they weren't pressing the ball they were standing off Antwerp just letting them play and like you know not many people have heard of Antwerp and they're almost not one of the the go-to Belgian sides you'd think of you think of Anderlecht and Genk and, and Bruges and people and you know teams like that so Antwerp are sort of the the unknown quantity a little bit but I mean you don't get to the Europa League without being able to play a little bit um, so when you stand off and just let them let them do what they want it's it's always going to cause you problems. I think the the goal summed it up perfectly with um, with Ben Davis playing centre back. I mean he's not played there too often, but I mean anywhere on the pitch, if you do what he do what he did for the goal, I think you you're struggling. You're going to struggle. You're going to cause yourself problems because you just stood there with the ball, got it stuck between his feet. The striker took it off him, and it was two on one at the back, and they they ended up um, slamming it in, and it was one nil. So. I, that that goal just summed up the entire performance, and and Jose making four changes at uh, at halftime was was classic Jose Mourinho, mm. and um, and fully needed. I think he said if he could he could have made eleven subs, he he would have, and you can't blame him looking at that performance. Yeah, certainly he wasn't happy. You know, as I mentioned before, nine changes to the starting eleven, but in the Europa League and Champions League these days, you can make five substitutes rather than the three we see in the Premier League. So as you mentioned, Marley, he made four of those at half time. He said, that's why I don't play them after the game. And he's talking about those sort of fringe players in the Tottenham squad. Now, Jose back in the day never used to slight his players. He, he always used to defend them to the hilt. But we've seen a real change in his narrative in the last probably five or six years, particularly since he's been at Manchester United and now afterwards at Spurs, where he's hung them out to dry. And he's done that again today, obviously, after that defeat last night. And as Marley says, it's probably fair enough because... His expectations as a you know unbelievable manager over the last twenty years are going to understandably be exceptionally high, and Tottenham can't afford to put in performances like that and expect to be successful. Let's just put this into perspective, and I don't want to say like, oh, Belgium, whoever knows about them, what what do we know about? I mean, Royal Antwerp are a great club, and they're on a great run. I mean, this does include Corona, but they for fourteen months they're unbeaten at home which is a pretty good record for any club. Um, but let's just put this into perspective. They were initially formed as a cricket club. <laughs> the first 15 years of their life, they were a cricket club. And then they changed to football. So that's kind of giving you the scale of uh, of what they were up against. I mean, jo- Jose is, is one of these characters in football that we all agree that, you know, football is better with Jose in it. Whether he's annoying us or he's wowing us or he's charming us, it's great to have Jose around. But you're completely right. There was there was a shift, and weirdly, if you if you look at it, I think it was about the time that 
you know, he started to go grey and shaved his head. You know, that was that was when it, it seemed to. Maybe it's like some kind of Samson thing where he kind of lost his power. But definitely, he came back to Chelsea. Wasn't it to uh, wasn't it to prove that he doesn't get stressed out by being a manager, whereas Pep Guardiola is now bald because he's lost all of his hair or some. There was some stupid banter that Jose was trying <laughs> trying to give to Pep about being bald because he's all his hair's fallen out from the stress. The, the thing is, Jose, Jose is a genius, right? So I don't know if... Did you see the picture of him on the bus yesterday? That was brilliant. Yeah, there's, so there's a picture of him sat on the, the bus. The one of him eating crisps before no, no, the game, or the one no, of him no, looking dejected afterwards. afterwards. So there's one of him... Yeah. I think you'll find it was popcorn, actually. Yeah. Oh, popcorn. So basically, <laughs> basically, he's on the bus wearing the, the, the mask, which is good, um, but he's sat on his own on the bus, and the, the thing on it, it says, I hope everybody on this bus is upset as I am training tomorrow at 11 a.m. First of all, if you're that upset, don't make people train at 11 a.m. That's a lion. Make them train at 8. Um, secondly, that is not a selfie. That's so... Constru- it's the most obvious constructed thing I've seen from Jose. So maybe he's slipping a little bit in there. <laughs> but, you know, because like he's not holding the camera out taking a selfie. He's got someone else to take that picture. And he's going, right, I'm going to sit here. Look, look annoyed. You take a picture of me. And that just shows it's proper, you. It's Instagram celebrity stuff, exactly. isn't it? You know when yeah. the, you know when you see him on on the beaches, like doing some weird pose, and the boyfriend like <laughs> taking pictures of him and stuff. It's it was proper like Z-list celebrity style stuff from Mourinho, but I I love it. It's brilliant. I think though that the the thing that gets to me is we know the guy has a lot of skill and a lot of talent, and you cannot deny. You look at his record, what he's achieved what he's been through and at one time I was I was clambering calls for him to come to Man City I'm kind of glad that didn't happen now to be honest but the way he plays now it just seems to be like a spoilt child if I don't have all the toys that I want then I'm not playing it's not fair and it's somebody else's fault and he, he, he we've seen him as well in 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 other clubs previous jobs the way he was at Manchester United with Pogba uh with with Luke Shaw the way he talks about some of these players. Now, you kind of go, is that a bit of man management, possibly? You know, but then saying that, you know, what was it he said about Luke Shaw? Like, I'd need to control him. I need to have some control to tell him exactly what to do at all times. That's re- That's not just giving somebody a little kick. That's really humiliating them. That's really stripping them down too much. And he said similar things about Pogba comparing him to a virus. And then, like, what's happened with Dele Alli? Just... Obviously, yeah. we're, we're not we're not privy to this. We're not privy to this. So Tottenham have in Deli Ali a, a footballer that's worth millions. Now there could be stuff going on with with Ali that means you know he's, he's he's got something that he needs to take care of. That's all his energy is going into that, and we just don't know. We're not privy to that, and that could be the reason why he's not being picked. Obviously, the fact he played last night shows that he is fit enough, and he's obviously in some kind of form to play so for whatever reason he's been out for this time i'm pleased to see him back because actually you know what he has the potential to be a great player not just for spurs but in the premier league and let's look ahead to things like the euros at one stage he was nailed on in that midfield but he was rubbish last night and no no he was it was completely it was completely took him off at half time but then that's the thing he he was but they all were and bear in mind here's here's the thing one of the things we've been looking at even from Project Restart, so the end of last season to this season, we've seen crazy results. We've seen players getting injured all the time, people underperforming, and this thing about, well, it takes them a while to get up to match fitness. Most of the players last night, when was the last time they played? Some of them haven't even played a a competitive fixture this year, and they're all thrown in together. And so 
kind of what do you expect? Maybe that's a bit of disrespect for the opponents. It was a great goal, to be honest, uh, the, the way they, they moved and that finish as well. But, I mean, the thing is, you've still then got on the bench the most potent strike force in the Premier League when they brought them on possibly too late. It just wasn't enough. And they can only they can only score those goals, uh, Kane and, and Son, if they're getting the support and the supply from behind. And it just seems to be not joined up. And I I think that I mean it would to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if Jose goes on to win the bloody thing. But I I, I do kind of feel that he's <clears throat> He's slipping. He just doesn't care about anybody. It's like it's like if 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 you if you if you have a bad game, that's it. You're out. I don't care. Yeah. Do you know what my controversial opinion is? If Jose had joined Manchester City in 2016 at the same time that Pep joined, and let's just say it was Jose there instead of Pep, I think City would have won the Champions League by now. And that might be a wild take. Wow. A lot of people saying, "Oh, you know, you're, you're dead wrong." But if you look at the sides that Jose managed before. The only one really where you can point at the finger and go, well, he's got more out of a team which should have done better was probably, which um, he's basically overachieved with the team, was probably Porto. All the other teams that he's had have had top quality players and Manchester City have top quality players. And I'm not saying that Spurs and Manchester United didn't, but certainly not to the calibre that he was used to with the likes of Real Madrid and Chelsea. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe that, that would be kind of my, it's speculative, of course. I mean, that's, that's just an opinion. I mean, no one can prove whether it's right or wrong and people can say that I'm stupid, but certainly there's no way of ever proving it. But I certainly think that with his nows of winning trophies, I think Jose would have won a European trophy with Manchester City by now. I really do. But beyond the point, and I think the point that you make there is really interesting and the fact that they had Son and Kane on the bench, they had options on the bench. But surely it doesn't matter who you've got on the bench, Marley. You should be beating a side like Antwerp. And as you mentioned, you're not a mug if you're in the Europa League. You've earned your place in that tournament on merit. But surely this highlights they've made nine changes against a side they should have comfortably beaten last night. They made nine changes. Does this not highlight why they won't win the Premier League or even come close? Because the consistency in squad depth isn't there. I mean, Son and Kane have earned a a well-deserved rest last night. And Jose probably didn't want to play them. And the, the point of the matter is that they should have enough squad depth to be able to perform against sides like Antwerp and win comfortably. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, you look at you look at the team Spurs played and there's more than enough there to win, you know, comfortably against Antwerp. And no disrespect to, to Antwerp intended there, but you look at the team, Bale, Bergwijn, Ali, um, that Carlos Vinicius making... What, like his second start or something like that so maybe he's a bit of an unknown quantity but everyone else Lloris, Lacelso, Sanchez, Aurier, Reguilon they're all quality players you could stick them in, in in a Premier League team and you know if you played that 11 every week they'd probably finish in the top 8 they're, they're a good good team so it's not like um, you know it's not like they ran out of players and had to patch a, a team together Mourinho was doing the right thing by resting some of his top players Kane and Son have played pretty much every minute and they're going to continue to do so for the next probably five or six months if they're uh, if they're fit and available. Like Guardiola and, and Lampard have been saying recently, there's so many injuries that you need to you need to sort of wrap your squad in cotton wool if you can find the opportunity to do so. So it's um it's one of them where you you look at the the team and you think that should be getting the job done, but you, when you play fringe players, they have to play with some sort of um, some sort of character and and prove why they shouldn't be, um, why they shouldn't be fringe players. Gareth Bale should be should be taking the game by the scruff of the neck if if he's fit enough to do to do just that. I think 
you know, you look at him and you think, well, this is a game you could easily have, have hammered, hammered Antwerp by yourself if you fancied it. You know, he's got he's got the talent. Mm-hmm. Same with Stephen Bergvine. Bergvine mm-hmm. seems to be when he's good, he's he's good, but he doesn't seem that that he's consistent. Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he scores some great goals. He's got fantastic technique and things like that. He can he's he's got an eye for goal and all the rest of it, but. Another one he he didn't do much last night. Ali, we, you know, we've talked about he's coming in out of the cold. I think that's a, a massive issue. Spurs have got to sort out pretty soon because he looks uh, he looks as as though he's on his way out. If if we're being honest, but but is is it any wonder the way that he's been hammered not just by like sections of the press, but I mean by his own manager? That's that's not exactly filling you with confidence. My only my only thing here is is possibly we're we're, we're falling into something, and maybe this is some genius thinking from um from jose because you know people still question his methods people we've even done it today on the show question is he still what he was but as 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 you pointed out now you know he could very well have won the champions league with the resources that man perhaps what he's doing here and we've heard enough people complain about the the fact that you're playing so many games with all the competitions going is yes, Spurs want to win a trophy. Yes, Spurs want to do that. But he's thinking, you know what? The way Son and Kane are playing at the minute, the way we've started this season, potentially this could be the chance to do something that was even greater than Liverpool. You know, the people waited 30 years for Liverpool to win the league. I, I'm not sure anybody, unless you're a Spurs fan, knows how long it's been because we can't all count that high. But uh, <laughs> it's getting on for 61, was it? It's getting on for 70 years. Yeah, 1961. Wow. So th- you know, that's so for 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 Jose because like every every trophy that he's in, every competition that he's in, he's won before, right? This season, he's won them all. So, but for Jose, for his personality, for his ego, what's the thing that's going to stand out most? It's going to be. Winning the Premier League with a team that haven't won it for that long, with a team that people don't think can do it. And so maybe what he's doing is he's kind of going, I don't care about this competition. I don't care about this player. I don't care about this because I'm just going to use them to enable me to put into this position. I'm just going to do just enough so that people think I'm trying and then my focus is going to be on the Premier League. Well, you mentioned Gareth Bale a moment ago, Marley. Um, as we've given him the benefit of the doubt. He's come in after not being fully fit from Real Madrid. Has he done enough? I mean, he should have done more last night. As you say, he's got such capability that he could have grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck and destroyed Antwerp on his own. Didn't happen. Um, but you can't pin your hopes on Gareth Bale every game. But that's what he used to do at Spurs when he was there initially. And I know he's had his injuries in the seven years since he's left the club. But certainly when he was at Spurs first time round, he would kind of win games for Tottenham out of nothing almost. I remember a goal against West Ham late on um, in his in his Spurs career right at the end of the game where he won the match for Tottenham. And I just feel that we've not seen enough of him in the games that he's played. I mean, maybe if that chance he had against West Ham in the 3-3 draw earlier this season had gone in, you know, that first couple of touches he's had, he ended up putting the shot wide. I just wonder if that had gone in, maybe we'd see a different Gareth Bale and his confidence would be flying. But I personally don't think we've seen enough from him so far. Uh, in my in my opinion, I think he's still a little bit um, not quite match fit. You know, I, think, I think he still needs to be get, getting up to speed. I think it's a little bit early to, to sort of judge him fully. Um, I'd give him another month, but we are we are seeing... Um, sort of, we we need to see more from from what we've seen so far. I think, 
you know, that chance against West Ham, every, he did everything right except the finish. Um, he still proved that he had the ability. I think he beat, I think it was Ogbonner, who, you know, he did a little shuffle and went past him like he wasn't there. And it was like, if you if you sort of took away the finish of that thing, that, that was the Gareth Bale of old. He was driving at the defence. He was um, taking people on. And in that little uh, cameo against West Ham, he did he did look okay. Um, but I, I I just don't think he's he's fully fit. I don't think he played at the weekend. Um, I think he was an unused sub when um, when Spurs won at the weekend. Um, maybe that tells you that he was being saved for the game against Antwerp. And then I think when you come into a, a team as well, and it is just it it's fringe players, you are getting used to playing with them sort of on the go as well. Um, so maybe you know he's he came on against West Ham and he's got Son and um, and Kane to link up with and and that kind of thing. And then you, you come into the other the game against uh, Antwerp and you've got other players like Lacelso and Bergwijn who you didn't really you didn't play with earlier on. So maybe it's something to do with that. Um, I still think there's a player there. Um, he's got something to prove. That's that's the thing for me. I think that's his biggest strength that he's got something to prove. Um, and I think he'll be trying to set the doubters wrong. So uh, hopefully, when he gets back to full fitness, we'll see something close to what we've seen in the um, sort of 2012-2013 seasons when he just single-handedly tore teams apart for for Spurs and become one of the best players in the world off the back of it. So mm. I don't think he's quite at that level anymore, but I still think he's 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 got enough to be one of the you know the best wingers in the league and the most dangerous wingers. In the Premier League, once he gets back to to top ship, yeah. Other results for English sides in the Europa League last night: Arsenal beating Irish club Dundalk comfortably at the Emirates, and Leicester City with an away victory in Athens against AEK by two goals to one. But as for Tottenham's defeat, Ant, are people getting carried away with the defeat? Are we perhaps reading too much into it, or is it really cause for concern? Because Mourinho's flipped his top over it. I'm sure the Spurs fans would be pretty annoyed about it. So, I mean, is is this serious concerns for Tottenham or is it just one of those blots on the record where you think, right, we've had a bad day at the office, we've lost a game we shouldn't have lost, we should have done better, dodgy performance, let's put it right next time. I think the thing is, it will be concerning because, you know, Spurs fans really want to win a trophy like any, any club does. And especially with Bale coming back and Jose being there, it feels like, you know, if any time it's going to happen, it's now. I mean, they did so well with Pochettino in charge, but let's be honest, the team wasn't quite there. Um, it's evolved slightly. Um, I think they've made some great purchases. I think uh, Hoiberg particularly looks like he could, he could really do something for them. But, I mean, just going, picking up on Marley, what he was saying there about, uh, he must have said five times, about match sharpness, match fitness, and everyone's saying this about Gareth Bale. Let's bear in mind he only played in all competitions last season. He only played seventeen games. That's all competitions, and um, I, I think I'm not even sure if he made any appearances for Wales in that time either. But domestically, uh, out in in Real Madrid, so it's not just about getting fit for this season. He's still sluggish from last season as well. He was still not fully up to it, and you know he he spent a lot of time sat there. You know, we saw all the social media playing golf, all those kinds of things. But, you know, in terms of like a statement, you know, and a feel good, having him there definitely is good. And even if they get three or four great performances from him, um, that can really push them forward. Jose is a master of drama. He's a complete master of drama. 
you know, we've, we've already talked about the picture on the bus, all those other things, the way he picks on certain players. Um, but what's interesting is that, you know, there was still the opportunity for them to win. There was still the opportunity for them to win that game last night. They had chances. They didn't take them. Um, and, you know, for, for a, a, a portion towards the end of the game, you had both Son and Kane playing together, uh, who both had chances. The all right, they're tired and they wanted to have a break. But if they should be beating teams like that, they should have beat them last night. Um, the, 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 it's a very weird situation to be in right now for many football clubs. But especially with Spurs, with you know they, they invested so much, they banked so much on having this stadium and they don't have anybody in it at the minute. And that's going to be hurting them. You know, financially, that, that was something that they would have invested a lot on. So... With that being for the foreseeable future out of the picture, really, they, they need, I think, just as a club to, to, I'm not suggesting they're in any financial trouble at all, but just to sort of make up for the, the loss of revenue that they're getting, they really need success. And as you say, 70, 70 years since they won the, the, the top division in the UK, that would be a dream for any Spurs fan. Um, we've seen flashes of it. We've seen flashes of it. With that forward line... Like, I don't think there's anybody here in amongst that team that hasn't got either Kane or Son in their fantasy team. <laughs> it's just because it's... I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly don't. Uh, I certainly don't. How are you I'm doing? How are you doing it, but in the fantasy? Uh, I've, I don't want to look. Exactly. Well, there you go. That's it. I'm so depressed that, about it. That, that, that says it all. So they, they, they've, they've got the ingredients. They've got there. And they've got a manager that can win things for them. I think... <sighs> It is going to be a worry, but I think if if you seriously you sat down with Spurs fans and said, "Look, you're going to be humiliated in the Europa League. You're not going to go far in the domestic cup competitions, but you're going to be in with a shot of the Premier League." I think hands down, everybody would go. All right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether they are going to be in with a shot of the Premier League because I think last night highlights exactly why they might struggle because. You know, they've made nine changes and those nine players should comfortably be performing better, let alone the result. You know, if Antwerp are plucky and they defend unbelievably and the game finishes 1-0, you can kind of say, well, fair enough, they deserve it. But it's not like Antwerp had to work hard. They've got Richie Delat at the back, you know, who's been played for 10 football league clubs and isn't really a, you know, a, a classy player at the back. I mean, he's a decent football player, but he's not someone that anyone in that Spurs front line should fear so to speak. So yeah, anyway, it'll be tough for, for Tottenham to get back on track. They've got a home game against Brighton this weekend. That's on Sunday at 7.15pm. And we'll obviously talk all about the games coming up this weekend on the Premier League preview show here on Football Social Daily, which will be out tomorrow. So make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss that. And talking of fantasy football, as Ant mentioned earlier, I've got no Kane and no Son in my side. Maybe I should. And Matt Dyson from the Game Week podcast will be here next to talk to us about FPL and whether really I should be making changes to my team. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sports Social. 
Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Now check the clocks because you haven't got long. The clocks might have gone back in terms of real time, but in terms of FPL time, you've not got too long to get those changes made to your team if you need to make them. I certainly need to make them because yet again, I've had another absolute stinker of a week and everyone's been made a fool by the Premier League this season. The results have been upside down, back to front, topsy-turvy, any other description you can think of. Um, But we're going to try our best, Matt Dyson, aren't we, to give some FPL tips moving forward. How are you doing, mate? I'm all right. I mean, how can you predict the unpredictable? That's the problem, isn't it, really? We have here. But yeah, I mean, I'm not doing very well myself either. I played my wild card after a few ropey signings of late and I got below average 44. The average was 48. (laughs) <laughs> I've had an absolute stinker. I mean, Werner came in, did absolutely nothing for me. Uh, I, I, I took a gamble on Villa players, and that really backfired with their defeat oh, yeah. to home to Leeds. So, but I mean, I felt like Villa were more of the form side going into that one. But as you say, you cannot predict anything that's going to happen. The only safe thing is having Son and Kane at the moment. That seems to be the only certainty in life for the next few weeks at least. Yeah, well, I've been too afraid to actually look at the amount of points I got last week because you just know when you've had a bad week, it's just damage limitation. Don't want to see it. No, don't want to see it. Don't ruin my weekend any more than it's already been ruined. But there we go. I'm sure some people will still be kind of keeping an eye on their teams very, very closely indeed. I'm glad you mentioned Son and Kane because that's one of Jamie's questions for you today. He wants to know whether he should double up on the deadly duo of Son and Kane or whether that would be putting all of his eggs in the same basket, particularly when you look at the stats as well. An amazing stat read out by Ian on Wednesday's podcast, which I didn't even know, by the way, Matt, was that the duo in terms of goals and assists between Son and Kane is the second most deadly duo in Premier League history, which is just unbelievable. I didn't realise that. It's a really cool stat. That is really good. Uh, After what? Lampard and Drogba. Oh, Lampard and Drogba. (laughs) Nice. Lovely. That's an amazing stat, and you can see why. But look, I mean, I don't know what the problem is with throwing your eggs into one basket. If that uh, basket is full of great eggs, then, uh, you know, <laughs> why not just make an omelette? I think there's there's some sort of uh, phrase in there somewhere. <laughs> Making our own <laughs> cliches up. <laughs> because, I mean, yes, it is. For, it's just two players out of your starting 11, you know. I mean, I think it's... Uh, I think you, they're must-haves at the moment, those two. Certainly, you know, they've got another two games that are looking pretty favourable. Uh, Brighton at home, then West Brom away. Mm. Then they play the harder teams, but then are Man City as hard as they were last season? Not necessarily. Man City at home, Chelsea away, Arsenal at home. You wouldn't rule out those two scoring against any teams at the moment. So really, no. fixture difficulty doesn't really apply to those two when they're in form and they're as you say a deadly double act so yeah I've got mm. them both and I think they're must-haves really because everyone's got them yeah and, and like you say they're two quality players that even if they do come again up against Man City Liverpool or any other top six side I mean Kane and Son are both good enough to score against any team it's not like you're worrying about the chances drying up the, the exactly the, the likelihood I mean, is that there's going to be a penalty or a counter attack or something and one of them's going to get themselves an assist or a goal the only real problem you have when you have them both is which one to captain because they seem to, you know, they keep fluctuating as to one week. What mm-hmm. I mean, they're both getting double digits most game weeks, to be honest, but sometimes Kane will be on fire with the assists. Sometimes Son will score like four goals. Sometimes, so there's some of the, they seem to take it in turns to get 20 plus points and it's just knowing which one to back uh, going <laughs> into each game week. That's And that's a nice headache to have, isn't it? Let's face I, it. I reckon they should change the FPL 
rules and bring in a new rule, which is if they're the captain of their club, they should get like an extra bonus point, like a captain's performance. So then you could uh, captain yeah. the captain and then you can kind of get extra, squeeze a few extra points out of it. Certainly that oh, would make my life my captain. easier. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Because there's a bit more of a burden on the captain, isn't there? So, you know, you've got to take that into account. He's got to rally the troops and look after his other teammates. So that mm. maybe takes away from his individual game. And you're right. I'd like to see an extra point for the captains. Yeah, Son and Kane have been absolutely unbelievable so far this season. Seven assists uh, and goals sort of between them. They've linked up and we're only in the sixth game of the season, which already equals the kind of player-to-player goal-slash-assist record from last campaign in its entirety. So, yeah, certainly worth it, it is Jamie, amazing. thinking about it. It is amazing. In. But, I mean, yeah, they are, there always is the likelihood that they will Spurs it up at some point because <laughs> you can never get too carried away with Tottenham, can you? Spursy. Oh, come on, Tottenham fans. Don't <laughs> let them get away with that. Um, certainly, as long as Son and Kane are doing well, worth putting them in your team, Jamie. Next question comes from Sergey, who wants to know about Patrick Bamford. We've spoken about uh, him on the podcast this week about is he ever going to get an England chance when Gareth Southgate's the manager? Um, forget that. He's definitely going to get chances at Leeds the way that they play. Let's not worry about England for the time being. Let's focus on FPL because Sergey wants to know, will Bamford stop scoring goals as soon as I put him in my team? Now, very hypothetical <laughs> question um but that's always the case isn't it you take someone out and they score or you put someone in and they don't score Mm. but is he a gamble worth taking old pat bamford up front for leeds i mean i've i've written him off all season so i mean i've got egg on my face constantly (laughs) because i just didn't really feel he was ready to make the step up from the championship to the premier league but he clearly is and he's clearly in amazing form. But, I mean, you've got to remember, like, remember like Timu Puki, who started last season yeah. with this amazing glut of goals. And then, after, like, two months, just didn't score again for the rest of the season, pretty much. So, I mean, I, I, I do feel like when I sign him, he'll stop scoring. And I do this because players go on runs, goal-scoring runs. And I remember it with Jamie Vardy that season when he was scoring every single week for Leicester. I, I was mm. quite a late adopter on that one and I thought he's going to stop scoring so I'm not going to sign him he's going to stop scoring every week kept saying he's going to stop scoring so I'm not going to sign him and then eventually I did and he carried on scoring so I mean that's quite a rare thing I I feel like you know it's got this run cannot continue much as I hate to underestimate Patrick Bamford and I'm coming a cropper for doing so I feel He's not going to carry on scoring like this, Trevor. He is in particularly hot form. He seems to do better away from home, by the way, I've noticed. Mm. It seems to be more of his goals come away from home. I think out of the six that he scored, five have been away from home. So that's quite telling. So just maybe just pick him for away matches and then uh, put him on your bench for the home games. I mean... With all the winning in the world, I feel like it is going to stop soon. But then he's uh, made me look a fool more than once this season already. So what's my advice worth? Not much. I'll be honest, I have no idea what he's worth at the moment, Patrick Bamford, or what he would have been worth at the start well, of the season. 5.9 million he's on at the moment. He's mm. owned by about 30% of people playing the game around the world. So like a lot of people have him. He's a good... I mean, at that price point... He's certainly the best performer, I would say. When I played my wild card, I put uh, Ollie Watkins in, thinking that he was going to be a goal-scoring sensation after his recent hat trick, <laughs> and he was a re- he's proved to be a real flash in the pan for me so far. Uh, same with Timo Werner. So, I mean, I'm not getting particularly excited about about Watkins at this stage, but he, you know, mm. he may come, he may he may go on to score some goals because they got some favourable fixtures coming up, Villa. 
I mean, how how much more expensive would someone like Raul Jimenez be, for example, at Wolves? Because is it worth maybe trying to scrimp a couple of extra mil to spend on someone like him who you think might be slightly more consistent throughout the course of the season? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's not had a great season so far, but he's still scored a few, hasn't he, Jimenez? And, and there have been changes in that in that Wolves team that have seemed to have uh, affected their strength to a degree, what with like Jota leaving and Doherty going to Spurs. Uh, Jimenez at 8.5 million is still pretty consistently delivering, though, to be fair, isn't he? I mean, he's got four mm. already, four from six games, and not really hitting the heights that we've seen him hit. So 8.5 million... He's, but it, then he is more expensive than Bamford, and I've certainly got an eye on him. Uh, and Ings as another fairly cheap striker who's constantly delivering. And like an idiot, I got rid of Danny Ings to bring in Timo Werner, thinking I was uh, <laughs> predicting the rise and fall of the striker's form. And he's continued to deliver. He's in the team of the week with ten points. So I think I like those strikers around the eight point five million mark. Maybe um, at the moment it looks pretty much like Kane and one of those. I mean, Aguero's mm. now out injured again, and Jesus is already out. I mean, yeah. the, the, the big money strikers aren't really delivering quite so much perhaps this season. Yeah, at I mean, this stage. I, I suppose even you could look at um, Jimenez's ex Wolves teammate Jota at Liverpool, who scored yeah. in the Champions League in the week, and he scored a couple of goals now for his club already, his new club, I should say. So I don't know what he's coming in at, but maybe again, another one of those players who might go slightly under the radar, but yet might squeeze in with a goal or an assist every now and again. Yeah, I mean, Jota's going to be rotated a lot, isn't he? That's the problem I have with it. Because I mean, st- he's still not going to be a first choice ahead of that front three no. uh, for Liverpool. So you just don't want a player that's going to be in and out of the side or just coming on for 12 minutes and not doing anything and getting you a one. You don't really want that. And But in terms of other strikers that are worth keeping an eye at the moment, Vardy coming back was uh, is a big thing, isn't it? And now he's back to fitness. He could turn mm. around Leicester's fortune single-handedly. There's talismanic striker who's already come straight back and scored against Arsenal, uh, the mm. team that once were linked with him. He was always going to score when he came the on Arsenal as a sub that game. It's ridiculous, isn't it? The amount of goals he scores against the Gunners. But yeah. at 10 million, Vardy still looks like a pretty much a pretty much a bargain. Mm, loads of strikers to choose from Bamford of course in form at the moment but as Matt says the likes of Kane the likes of Vardy Dominic Calvert-Lewin Danny Ings loads of choices to make so make sure you pick wisely ahead of this weekend final question this one comes from Dan he wants to know which teams have got good runs in the next month or so that I could pick up some players from with decent differentials I suppose the problem with the Premier League is Matt that every time you've got two or three what would be considered easy games in a row there's one of the big six up next just hiding around the corner well that's true yeah and the uh, the fixture difficulty ranking system used on the fantasy premier league website can be a bit misleading you know sometimes a, se- a, pl- a team will start off quite poorly and then finish the season very strongly like so say sheffield united last season yeah. but their fixture difficulty ranking will still remain green even though it's not particularly an easy fixture by any stretch. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it can be misleading looking at how difficult uh, fixtures are, but when I, the reason I went so big on Villa in my wildcard selection was because I feel like they have got quite a bit of greenery on the horizon. Uh, Southampton at home coming up. They've got, like, Brighton, West Ham, Newcastle, uh, West Brom on the horizon, Palace, teams that are, you know, games that are winnable for a team like Villa if, they, mm. if their bubble hasn't burst, as it may have done. Uh, but <laughs> fingers crossed it hasn't. I think they'd still have more in the tank. Uh, 
looking at other teams with with a lot of greenery, a lot of decent fixtures coming up. I suppose Palace are amongst them. Uh, I mean, after Wolves away, they've got Leeds at home, Burnley away. Okay, they're not quite as easy to score against. Then Newcastle at home and then West Brom away uh, in the course of the next month. So someone like Wilfred Zaha could be worth a shout, to be fair. He's had a decent start to the season. He's on 48 points. He's only cost 7.3 million. I mean, the only trouble for me is every time I've signed Wilfred Zaha, he's stopped delivering immediately. <laughs> so uh, yet again, we have the old curse that can strike us. But with favourable fit, Fixtures, sometimes that can make the decision a bit easier for you. Mm. Uh, and then I suppose um, you were saying before we started recording that Everton have got some uh, tasty-looking games on the horizon as well. Yeah, um, similar story, though, if their bubble hasn't burst, because obviously they lost 2-0 against Southampton yeah. last time and got a man sent off in Dean, which yeah. I think that's been reduced, hasn't it? To yeah, to a one-game one ban. Which yeah, will yeah, help which, lots of FPL managers, certainly. Because quite a lot of people have Dean, yeah. Yeah, uh, but he's decent. He is. He gets, gets forward, gets assists as well, and he's got that those free kicks in his locker as well but yeah like you said they've got Newcastle away next and unbelievably Calvert-Lewin didn't even score in the last game which is really <laughs> shocking so maybe his games maybe his runs come to an end but I don't think so they've got a lot more strength in depth this season James Rodriguez looking looking good if he's not injured he seems to have a slightly niggling injury problem but they've got Newcastle away Man United and then Fulham away obviously Fulham are the whipping boys basically whoever Fulham are playing get three of those players in your team that seems to be the, the one the one certainty this season in the Premier League is go big when you're playing Fulham yeah definitely um, Jesus has anyone in the world got a Fulham player in their side I'm sure there's someone with Mitrovic knocking <laughs> yeah. around I was if talking got... about this yeah I was talking to Dan on the Game Week podcast this week about it I, I think Adamola Luckman is possibly the only bright spark uh, for Fulham at the moment and I saw him on the match of the day last week I think he hit the woodwork twice mm. he looks pretty good for five million as a, the only real positive for Fulham that I can see unless you can see anyone else in there Niall I, I no. don't know as long as you don't have Ariola, the goalkeeper who's on loan yes. from PSG by the way so he's not a bad keeper but yeah um, I think yeah, much like Sergio it. Rico his predecessor in the Premier League is also at PSG I, I don't think that's a wise move to move from Paris to West no. London yeah that Fulham defence is looking as leaky as ever leaky as last time they were in the Premier League when it really didn't go well I think they might even beat that record of low score points uh, because mm. the way they're going I mean it's not been a good start defensively no no absolutely not well thanks everyone for your questions as always you can get them in on our social media pages we're on Instagram Facebook and Twitter so go and search for the sports social there and send in your FPL questions uh, ahead of next week's show but the latest episode uh, of game week will be available ahead of the weekend Matt exactly don't forget there is a Friday match this weekend so there's the earlier deadline for picking your team Friday evening at 630 Absolutely. Don't get stung by that one like I seem to every time there's a Friday game. That's a commonly used excuse, that one as well. Oh, I forgot about the earlier deadline. Oh, that's why my team's (laughs) done so badly. Yeah, right. Matt, great to chat to you as always, mate. Catch up again soon. Nice one, mate. Cheers now. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. To hear the latest Premier League news for your team, Just ask Open Sport Social.
Welcome back to Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Now it's time for Floodlight Focus, which is where we take a look at one of our 20 Premier League sides. And today it's the turn of the blades. Sheffield United under the spotlight. And joining us to talk all about Chris Wilder's side, we've got Ian from the Sheffield United podcast, Four Blades in the Pub. I presume you're not in the pub right now, Ian. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm good. No, we've not been in the pub for, gosh, how long now? Six, seven months. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's been Four, four Blades uh, sat at home. Uh, for the pod for the last uh, last few months, obviously, but uh, dream of getting back there soon. Yeah, four blades on Zoom doesn't quite have the same ring to it, does it? To be fair, um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> this season, the start of the season, it's not been great for Sheffield United. I don't think anyone can sort of argue the fact that everyone, from supporters to pundits to general football fans, would hope that Sheffield United would have done slightly better than they have done from the beginning of the season up till now. But we talk about the absence of fans often on the podcast and just in general and the inability to go and soak up the atmosphere before the games. How much of a damaging impact do you think that's had on the pitch for Sheffield United? Because, you know, it's all well and good saying that every side kind of misses their fans at stadiums, which is absolutely true. They do. But I think it's fair to mention that some clubs probably are impacted by it more than others. Do you think that's the case for the Blades? Oh, it's it's hugely Niall. Um, I mean, if I look back, I think we had the worst uh, form since lockdown uh, in terms of home form, mm. and I think that shows the impact that the fans have at Bramall Lane mm. um, over a number of years. You know, visiting media and, and supporters have, have commented on the the atmosphere a full Bramall Lane can bring. Yeah. Pre, even pre Premier League days on on big cup ties, we've had many a, a good cup shock at Bramall Lane over the years. But I think this club has become. Um, truly united as a as a club as a fan base as a connection between player manager fans since chris wilder took over mm. and that's had a huge impact on our, our rise up, up up the leagues over the last uh, four seasons mm. and really is is really being felt at the minute i think because i think that the kind of moments in matches that can swing with a, the the crowd support you know the momentum can shift uh, on a moment and it, maybe it's an refereeing decision or something like that and that that change and that seemed to lift our players so much particularly last season uh, when you look at some of the results we had yeah absolutely and it's a ground that I've never been to actually Bramall Lane one that I really want to tick off my bucket list um, but unfortunately it looks like we might have to be waiting a little bit longer before we do see fans in the ground hopefully that doesn't impact the blades too much but as for Chris Wilder I'm a big fan of Chris Wilder I watched him at Northampton win league two comfortably and he did Good job at Oxford as well. Went to Sheffield United. He's taken you through League One, the Championship, and now into the Premier League. Does that therefore earn him a bit of time to re, you know, sort things out? Let's say at Sheffield United because it's not been a great start, as we've said before. And and surely there is going to be a little bit of pressure from himself in order to kind of improve the Blades' performances. But is there any such pressure from the fan base amongst Sheffield United? You know, getting on Wilder's back, or certainly do you think he has earned the right to have some more time to sort things? Oh, he's absolutely in the right. And I think it's not just a, a small amount of time. I think he's in the right for a lot of time. Mm. Uh, and I think a, a vast majority of, of fans would, would back him in that. Um, you know, things... Uh, he's had spells before where things haven't gone well and he's, 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 he's sorted it out. He's moved players on who were perhaps surprising from a fan's perspective to see move on and, and replace them and, and refresh the new. And he's, he's, had, he's got challenges at the moment, certainly, uh, in terms of injuries. Um, I think... Um, decisions probably haven't gone our way at times. Mm. Um, we've had some, we've had some chances that have been spurned, or you know, uh, the, the goalkeeping display 
against Leeds really you know kept Leeds in it in the first half you know things haven't quite gone our way so I think he deserves a lot of time and I think if if you asked any of us uh, any of the four of us who do the pod you know we're realistic realistic enough to know that you know if things continue to to go south this season then Chris Wilder would be the right man to bring us back I mean we don't want to think like that but realistically we want we've got a manager here who we want to keep as long as we can and is the fact that he's a Sheffield United fan, does that add extra kind of incentive for him to do well and obviously amongst the supporters as well? Because you never want to see one of your own fail, whether that's a player coming through the academy or a manager who supports the club. Not, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he. Um, I, I think there was a... I always have this feeling that we have this tendency as a club sometimes to want to get back old players, maybe when they're past the best, because we remember <laughs> how good they were. We, You yeah. know, we, we, we want... want you know, people with connections to the club because we feel this, and every fan fan base would say, it, I'm sure, but there is a real closeness between players and clubs, of, certainly in certain eras through uh, mm. Sheffield United's mm. history. The Dave Bassett era is very similar to what we're seeing now under Chris Wilder in terms of that that closeness to the fan base. And I think no one will put more pressure um, on Chris Wilder than himself because you know he, he's desperate to succeed. I mean, I think he, I find it fascinating that he isn't looked at by other clubs seemingly or considered for other jobs mm. um but maybe that is something about people's perception of this connection he has with with the club um but mm. he, you know equally he's, he's it does create that extra element of pressure which at the minute he seems to shoulder quite well um yeah. you know it can be quite brusque it can be quite you know offhand and direct at times but actually i, I quite want that i want someone who's focused on on really trying to sort out some of the challenges we've got as a club at the moment Yeah, he certainly won't be happy with the way things have gone so far, but injuries have played a big part and it wouldn't be fair to ignore that whilst talking about Sheffield United, particularly with, you know, the players that are out injured, Jack O'Connell, who might have gone under the radar a little bit last season, but certainly was so important at the back for Sheffield United and particularly in the system that Wilder plays, obviously this fabled overlapping centre-half system, which has been so effective in the 12 months or so that you've been in the division and John Flex out injured, and Lise Mousse is out injured. So, I mean, there have been some significant players on the sidelines for you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, I think it's interesting that, you know, players such as John Fleck hasn't been fully fit since the return of football after lockdown. And mm. that's played a huge part, both in our form towards the end of last season and, and this season, really, in terms of just giving some balance to our midfield, but also a bit of drive and a bit of, you know, carrying that ball, making those runs into the box. You know, John Fleck plays a, a key role in that for us. Jack O'Connell is huge. I mean, for me, Jack O'Connell, certainly with the the way England have looked to play with um, three centre-backs, Jack O'Connell would have been a perfect candidate to be coming into that England squad. Mm. I think we've always we've always felt as a, a fan base, we've got a, a defender here who could, who could play at the very highest level, but actually the system we played probably didn't lend itself to him getting that kind of... Um, exposure and, and chances at international level, but obviously with the changes mm. Gareth Southgate's made, it would have been the perfect season for Jack O'Connell to kick on. So to mm. to lose him for a season, and I think it shows. You know, we've got we've had a great system; it's worked so well. But our our worry, and we've discussed this on our pod, is as players come to the end of their. Um, at the top of their game in that position, so someone like Chris Basham, who's come with us through the divisions on the other side of that defence, when he uh, needs to step away and we need to replace him who does come in and, and pick up that role in, in the way he's just 
lived you know lived it with us over the last few years i see what you're saying because it's not it's not something that's coached very often around the game is it no. we don't see too many sides playing that system so it's going to take a bit of time for whoever comes in to learn the rope absolutely and we've seen that with jack o'connell in that you know he's um, chris has played jack robinson but jack robinson as steady as a steady as a center half he is isn't going to make those kind of buccaneering runs you know, supporting Ender Stevens, and it's interesting. I think you know fans have, have probably turned a little bit on Ender Stevens in in recent mo- weeks mm. and months. But actually, you know, he's probably one of the best left backs I've seen ever seen at Sheffield United in 40 years of going. Such a good player, and and I think it, it's reflective his form. It's probably reflective of the fact he hasn't got Jack O'Connell playing alongside him and making those same runs. And it, it and it just it creates a a different dynamic, and it's a dynamic that we're going to have to get used to. I think I think seeing Ethan Ampadu uh, come into the side in a different role again he came in for Ollie Norwood and I would have said Ollie Norwood has been undroppable for United we played better with him in the side but uh, I think the performance on Saturday perhaps saw a way forward of a well I say a settled team for the next few games I don't think Ampadu can play against Chelsea but ultimately that looks like we've got something there that I think would give us a good platform to, to move forward with. You say about Ethan Ampadu, Rian Brewster's come in as well to kind of bolster the forward line for the Blades. Lowe's come in from Derby County. Obviously, he's just come back from a concussion. So what do you make of the new recruits that have signed for Sheffield United over the course of the summer? Do you think they've bed in well or, or do you think there's still more to come from them? Um, I, th- I think they're still bedding in to an extent. Um, obviously, Ampadu got, got the, uh, the start at Anfield last week. I think if you asked, us, asked the fan base over the summer, we were happy with the signings we'd made. Bogle and Lowe coming in from Derby strengthen the wing-back position and give us other options, keep the pressure on Ender Stevens and, and George Baldock, who, who've been outstanding for us. But again, we need them to keep up their standards and we need you know, players, as we've proved with Jack O'Connell, you need someone who can come in and step in, in in terms of injury or suspension and potentially be the younger player to take that role forward. Rian Bruce Street's too early to say excited certainly about what he's capable of um, and we saw glimpses of his link up with Ollie McBurney um, last week um, I think the big mm. the big missing factor if I, if, if I was to and, and I think every club's got its financial challenges and managing budgets in the current environment but I think what we still lack is that player who can create something out of nothing around the edge of the box um, we just like that yeah. as we came up through the divisions we had Mark Duffy performing that role for us brilliantly um, just someone who can just open up, break the lines, you know, around the edge of the box, put players in. Um, it's that final ball we, that lacks sometimes. So we, we don't score enough goals and it's probably because of the quality of that that final ball, that final pass in and around the box. So I think, obviously, they don't come cheap. Good number 10. So I think the, the, the idea of someone in that role yeah. is kind of what we're missing. David McGoldrick kind of filled it by dropping that bit deeper last, at times last season and he's done that over a number of seasons. But we are missing that kind of player and... I guess the, the we see signs of someone being able to create something like that is in Sanderberg, who I think will be yeah. a player that in 12, 18 months' time we're going to struggle to keep hold of because technically mm. he's mm. one of the best, well, probably the technically most gifted player I've seen in a United shirt. He's, he's, he just makes the game look so easy. I think he's destined to play with his age and, and you know ability to grow from here on in. I think he... he we will struggle to keep hold of him even if we remain a Premier League club. He's the one player at the minute who we look like creating something with. Um, but I think Chris Wilder views him as longer term, as a, as more as the holding midfielder in Chester. Yeah, one club that does have an abundance of talent. You talk about creating chances, that will be Manchester City. And that's who you've got next in the Premier League at the weekend. 
Obviously, yeah. I don't think Chris Wilder will care where the first win comes from. It doesn't matter whether it would have been against Fulham a couple of weeks ago or against Manchester City this weekend. He just wants some points on the board, I think, to maybe alleviate some of the pressure and get the ball rolling this season. But it's not going to be easy. Even though City have got their injuries, it's going to be a tough game for the Blades again this weekend. Absolutely. I mean, every game in its, in its own way is, is a tough game in the Premier League. And I think there's a danger you get a little bit carried away by how well we did last season. But... Coming into this run of games, we'd have hoped to get something out of the Fulham game. We end up with a point, which is, is probably disappointing in the way we, we fell away, certainly in the second half of that game. Really pleased with the way we played against Liverpool last week, but we've got to take that standard straight into the game tomorrow. I mean, Liverpool and Man City, are the, we ran Liverpool close at home last season, uh, got comfortably beaten at Anfield. We ran City close at home last season and away, but you know these are the games we've got to try and get a point from. It, actually, funnily enough, I think the next the next two games, which is Manchester City at home and then Chelsea, I actually fancy us to get something from. And and it, it might sound an odd thing given our league position and given the, the you know the disparity between the two clubs in terms of players, money, etc. But it's the kind of game last season um, that, that we were picking up points up from. And I think I, I take some hope from that Liverpool game. But the key thing for us, we've got to convert some of the good quality chances we're having into into goals and yeah you know mm. it's putting a, a greater pressure on ollie mcburney who doesn't look like he could buy a goal at the minute just lacks confidence in any anything he's, he's meeting the ball in and around the box um mm. rian brewster's obviously still you know uh, bedding in at the club but we need we do need that goal from somewhere and i think if we get a goal then there's a chance we might get a point tomorrow and then we look to Chelsea where we took four points off them last season we've got to go into it with a with a positive mindset and Chris Wilder I think I've, I've got confidence in him doing that even though I think some of the players just it, it looked flat after the Fulham game um, and and probably probably felt a bit down after that Liverpool game in, in terms of putting that performance and, and, and running the, the champions so close at Anfield. Best of luck to Sheffield United this weekend Ian against Man City where can people find more from you and the other lads on the Four Blades in the Pub podcast? Um, yeah, Four Blades of the Pub. Um, we uh, we can be found on any usual podcast site. Um, yeah, just give us a listen. Um, it's just, well, it's not Four Blades in a Pub anymore, but it's Four Blades. <laughs> talking about the Blades, talking about the Premier League, talking about uh, memories of the past is something we revert to. We've chatted to a few ex-players as well, so there may be something of interest for fans of other clubs as well. Great to chat to you, Ian. Take care. Thank you. Cheers now. Well, Sheffield United in the relegation zone at the moment. They'll be hoping that they can get out of it this weekend with an unlikely victory over Manchester City, who is still in the bottom half of the Premier League table, unbelievably. Don't forget, we'll have a full preview of all the weekend's top flight fixtures on the podcast tomorrow. So make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss it. A full in-depth rundown of all the games that are taking place on Saturday and Sunday in the Premier League. But that's it for another episode of Football Social Daily. Hope you have a great weekend. My thanks to Ian, Marley and Ant and we'll speak to you on the next one. Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Twitter at The Sports Social. Hello, it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.